Asia correspondent today is John Ruwich, who's NPR's China Affairs correspondent. Morning, John. Thanks for uh, making time for us. Hey, happy to be here, Catherine. The South China Sea tensions rising. Well, they've been rising for quite some time, but what are the immediate concerns? Yeah, the immediate concerns center on this sand and coral outcropping in the South China Sea called Second Thomas Shoal, which is part of the Spratly Islands, uh, which are disputed, of course. The Philippines Navy um, uh, in the late 90s ran a ship aground there, which you may know about. And it's since been a sort of a station for Marines, uh, a handful of Marines and, and naval um, soldiers from the Philippines there as sort of a way to stake their territorial claims. Of course, China has these sweeping claims across the South China Sea as well, including this territory, which for reference is about 100 nautical miles off the Philippines and more than 600 away from China's nearest shore. Uh, But China has for months now been sending its Coast Guard vessels out there and other ships to engage in what what analysts call gray zone tactics, which are sort of assertive sort of acts of uh, that are that are short of acts of war, basically blocking, harassing maneuvers, sometimes using fishing fleets um, effectively as a militia. And what they're trying to do is halt the resupply of these Philippine troops out there. And so this past week, uh, things heated up when there were two collisions, which hadn't happened in a while, uh, between Chinese Coast Guard and Philippine resupply boats. So um, there was outcry on the Philippine side. The Chinese side also, you know, has its version of events. It, um, it, it said the resupply ship, uh, was trying to take out, quote, illegal construction materials to this disputed shoal in the South China Sea. And the U.S. has weighed in, which raises the stakes uh, in, in a number of ways. You know, the U.S. has a defense treaty with the Philippines that's been in place since the early 1950s. And it warned this week that it would defend the Philippines if any of its ships, planes, or soldiers are attacked. And, and President Biden, in fact, yesterday reiterated that the U.S. defense commitment to the Philippines was, we said, quote, ironclad. Uh, so it, things have definitely been heating up down there. I mean, I guess what's at sort of the heart of all this, uh, analysts suspect, is that that ship that was run aground by the Philippines called the Sierra Madre is uh, is a sight to behold. It's, det- it's rusted, it's bri- falling apart. And um, there's speculation that, you know, the the Chinese side is really sort of hoping that it that it breaks open it breaks apart the, the sailors on there don't have uh you know don't have any place to stay anymore and that they can effectively take control uh, of of this this disputed island uh, over which the philippines claims ownership uh this is at a time even... yeah the, the tensions yeah, remain ahead. this is at a time that, that china's top foreign policy official goes to washington has this meeting happened or is it about to it's about to happen you know one other interesting point to make on the South China Sea is that the U.S. military just today reported uh, that there was a, quote, unsafe and unprofessional encounter with a Chinese fighter jet. We've heard about these for years. They've been on the rise. This is a jet that intercepted a B-52 over the South China Sea and came within 10 feet of it, according to the, the Pentagon. But you're right. Yeah, China's top foreign policy official, the foreign minister, Wang Yi, is visiting Washington. He's there today and tomorrow for most of his meetings. And he's there really to sort of lay the groundwork for Chinese leader Xi Jinping to visit San Francisco next month for the APEC summit. Uh, It's also a reciprocal visit after U.S. uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken went to Beijing in June. Both sides have been mostly sort of trying to make nice in recent months with relations being in really bad shape after uh, the balloon, the spy balloon incident earlier this year. 
And, um, you know, there's been a string of U.S. officials, cabinet members who've gone to China. We had Senator Chuck Schumer and other senators visit China. Now the governor of California is there. So Wang Yi is going to be in Washington. He's going to likely have a meeting with President Biden. Um, And they're in the process of sort of uh, staking out sort of turf and redefining the relationship, right? Competition is sort of the key word. China has been resistant to this. Um, But, uh, you know, it's urging U.S. officials to bring things back to the right path. But the reality is that there's this sort of deep and growing mistrust between the two. So with Wang Yi in Washington, the sort of speculation is that, and the discussion is that, you know, he can hopefully... Uh, you know, lay some lay some groundwork for a smooth visit by Xi Jinping. Uh, but the big questions still hang over the relationship about whether or not these, you know, even if Xi Jinping comes to the U.S. and meets President Biden and has a one on one with him, you know, how much that's really going to going to change the trajectory of things. Both sides have an interest in stabilizing the relationship for now, um, but they have deep mistrust, as I mentioned, and the, 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 the differences between them uh, seem like, you know, they'll be difficult to bridge with, with a few short meetings. Interesting, though, also a, a slight thawing in uh, the, the Australian-China relationship as well. And yeah. look, it's it's not going to solve all the differences. And as you say, these are often long, long-term, it's long-term business, right? But the, the the symbolism and the importance of person to person meetings between people at this level equally can't be uh, underestimated. It's it's better than the other way around, right? Um, I sh- think that's right. Yeah. yeah, this they both sides, you know, for all the differences, the one thing they sort of seem to agree on now, and I guess you could include Australia in this as well, is that is that. Uh, Instability is a bad idea. A bad idea. It's a bad thing for the relationship. Stability works in the interests of both countries, even if their fundamental interests no longer align or maybe didn't align, but now they realize they don't align so well. Well, everybody would quite like to avoid war as well, which back to the South China Sea is another aspect there. That, that communication is pivotal so that when accidents do happen, they don't spiral into something unintended. And when the person-to-person contacts are happening or, or, or the back-channel contacts are happening, that risk is at least mitigated to some extent. What's happened with China's defence minister, please? Yeah, that's another area where uh, potentially uh, there, there may be some change in, in, in the dialogue side of things, right? I mean, China and the United States have had this uh, basically deep freeze in military-to-military dialogue. And one of the issues, one of the sort of reasons that hasn't been happening uh, is because the the defense minister, the the guy who was defense minister up until just recently, uh, was on a U.S. sanctions list for his role in arms sales uh, to Russia a number of years ago. But what, but just the other day, the National People's Congress Standing Committee, which are the leaders of China's parliament, uh, formally removed Defense Minister Li Shangfu from his role as defense minister and another role that he held in in the government uh, called State Counselor. Uh, he had actually vanished from the public eye about two months ago. He started missing some meetings and then just wasn't reported on, wasn't wasn't appearing in state-controlled media. And so there was widespread speculation that he was under investigation or that he had already been removed. And so this is sort of formalizing you know, a step that had already taken place with him. Um, the other thing that happened in the same announcement is that uh, China's former foreign minister, Qin Gang, was also removed from, uh, he, ha- he also held the title of state counselor. He, he had that title stripped. Uh, you may recall that in July, he was removed uh, from the role of foreign minister. 
Um, both, you know, are expected to be removed from their senior roles within the Communist Party later this year. Those are just formalistic steps. And, and there's been zero, you know, official information about what happened to either of them. Uh, we know they're removed. We have no idea why. You know, there's reporting uh, on the defense minister that he was taken out for uh, corruption. Uh, and when it comes to the foreign minister, there's been some reporting that he had an affair while he was uh, the ambassador to the United States and a child out of wedlock. China has not commented on any of this. There are a couple of key points that, that we can take away from this. Though. One is that you know, analysts who follow China and China policy closely don't think that policy in the defense sphere or in foreign policy are, are really going to change. I mean, the foreign minister and the defense minister are not top policymakers as they are in many other countries. In China, they're the, they're the outward facing sort of face of the Chinese Communist Party when it comes to policy. Um, but both of these guys were seen to be close to Xi Jinping, right? Xi Jinping um, last fall consolidated his power yet again, got himself a third term as party chief. Then in March of this year, was reinstalled as president uh, of the People's Republic of China for the third term. And that's when um, that's when Li Shangfu became defense minister. Qin Gang became foreign minister a little before that. But that was, you know, he was sort of reanointed as foreign minister at that point. These were both new in their job. They both either had direct backing of Xi Jinping or at least were vetted by Xi Jinping's guys, right, to be able to get into these roles. Yeah. Uh, well, really interesting stuff, John. Thank you very, very much. I look forward to talking again. John Roach is with NPR, where he is China Affairs correspondent.